Hello, everyone. I need to be able to tell you the truth about why I've decided to never engage in what is called an adulterous affair ever again. I never fully climax when it came to the adulterous sex. I never fully ejaculated when it came to the adulterous sex. I didn't have all the full body orgasms I normally would because this is adulterous sex, so I couldn't do all the multiple orgasms that my body normally would as a result of the adulterous sex while the adulterous sex was happening. Um, you know, the full body orgasms didn't happen as much because of the adulterous sex I was having with them. I couldn't fully enjoy the sex because I felt sexual guilt, sexual shame, sexual worry, sexual anxiety, um, sexual depression, sexual frustration, sexual tension because all the sneaking around the almost getting caught by the husbands but I was hiding in another room this only happened about About six times. Um, first time, you know, the first three times was me hiding in another room. And the three other times was I was in the backyard. And when the husband left, I came back in the house. And then we finished the adulterous sex that we started. Um, Another time I was hiding in the room, the husband just left. He came to um, get the rest of his belongings and he left. This happened. This happened only six times with, um, I think it was one woman I was having an adulterous affair with, so... When we heard the door knock, I uh, quickly put all my clothes on and went to a room. I think it was our office that she had in the house. And I was just quiet there. But he was going to his their room. Uh, one of their he was actually going to one of their rooms, which was they already had separate rooms at that time. So he didn't go to her room because her room was where we were having the inter- the adulterous intercourse. He went to a separate room 
where he came to get the, you know, he came three, you know, he came to get his belongings those three separate times because he was fully moving out because she, she kicked him out. The other times I was, um, I was, the other times I was in the backyard where I think he came to, um, finalize how the divorce was going to go out and how the divorce was going to be decided upon them. They both agreed to divorce, but it was, okay, you get this, I get that. And she got most of the money and most of the items, and he wanted a little bit of what he had left in terms of money and items. And they also both agreed on being make being civil for the children. So he would knock on the door and I would just be in the backyard because I decided okay, the talks didn't last long because most of the arrangements they made over the phone, the divorce arrangements, he came by to get more quickly get more clarity about okay what you mean by this that and other thing and I've I didn't know how long it would be in the backyard and I'm in the backyard she sees me in the backyard rolls down her window from up and and as soon as she rolled her window up I knew it was safe to come back inside in quotation safe but I already told him go in the backyard she let me go in the backyard talked for a little bit with the husband and he jetted out of there and she opened the window and looked at me she didn't say anything she just knew that I knew it was safe to come back in so I came back in and we would finish the adulterous sex we were having in our room that happened about six times so I'm here to tell you that adultery is not to be not to be promoted not to be advertised um, not to be magnified and not to be glorified because if you have a conscience then it's going to eat at you knowing that you slept with somebody and you didn't get the permission to sleep with their somebody so the sneaking around the hiding okay the coast is clear okay you can okay you gotta go then come back and you know the hand gestures let me know or you know the you know the safety words to come back and finish what we sexually started and the you know covering up the clothes the you know the covering up my body and can't you can't you know because you're in the house you know you had to be sex had to be quieter more than normal and thinking um exasperating thoughts while the sex is happening at times and you know She's screaming my name, but 
part of me was like, I just hope her husband don't come in while she's doing this. Part of me likes this, but still. And the whole, um, you know, how do I keep the lies going? Lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. And how do we get more and more clever with the lying and lying and lying, piling up each and every time? And it could, and it and it's just stressful. You know, adultery can be stressful if you have a conscience. And the whole sense of you know, quickly, you know, how do we exit? How do we leave? How do we? Help me get on the clothes, take off the clothes. How do we address each other? But how do we do all these things and never get busted? Like, that happened to me a few times. Um, was I ever caught, to my knowledge? No. Um, some of the husbands knew, but they never saw. Because in their mind, they're... they're marriages and relationships with their life partners already over so by that time once they agreed it was over they never said it but I was saying I was saying it like hey I said it's over so I'm gonna be whoever I want and some husbands knew but they felt there's nothing they could do about it um, and, and all these relationships tend to be subpar relationships. So already failing miserably, so. And it's hard to be sexually mindful in the moment because of the fact that I'm having the type of sex norm I don't have, which is adulterous. Um... I do remember um, going to BDSM parties and I went for free because people were like, oh, well, you know, we like to be around Antonio. He's a college student. People go, okay, college students, no job. But, you know, Tony's a person. Tony's got needs. He's the man. Hey, you're so cool. You're so nice. We're not going to charge you so much to have fun. So I did have sex at BDSM parties and I engaged BDSM at these parties. Um, another thing was I really had to learn more of who I was which is being sexually congenial, which means how to go from sexual jealousy that the husbands felt to now I live a life of sexual compersion. Compersion means happiness. You're happy for other people. 
obvious jealousy means I want that limelight and spotlight you getting. I want that praise you get. Now, as for BDSM parties, I decided to do those in moderation with wholesome people. BDSM parties I did back in college, I was it was with unhealed good people. And as for like vacationing with a person's partners, and I decided. If I'm in an ethically non-monogamous relationship, and just ethical non-monogamy, con- ethically consensual non-monogamy, ECNM, if they're fully okay with it, I'll vacation with their life partner or spouse because everybody's okay with it. I no longer will vacation with somebody, and clearly I don't even have their partner's approval to do so. I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. There are parts of my life I'll never repeat. There are parts of my life I don't want to repeat, and there are parts of my life I don't need to repeat. That's one of the beauties of healing. I let go of self destructive patterns and I hold on to self productive slash self constructive patterns. So now let me talk about the type of world I was in. This is all off the top of my head. I don't feel like reading or writing it. I just feel like speaking from my mind because I'm flowing. So when it came to organized crime from what I remember one of my nicknames was booming because I was said to have a thunderous voice and that world I was so scared of ever telling my life in organized crime that I kept it a secret until 2022. And once I published my book and started podcasting it, that's when the fear evaporated, disappeared, obliterated actually. Um, The reason why I kept organized crime part of my life a secret because I lived in fear of my life. I I felt like, and I'm never speaking this to existence, this is how I used to feel. So because I used to feel this way, I'm not speaking anything negative to existence, okay? I used to be afraid of being murdered. I used to be afraid of being a victim of violence. I used to be afraid being a victim of being um, stuck up and robbed at gunpoint and knife point. And so that's why I never said anything all these years because the code of silence 
as well as the culture of vendetta, a real a vendetta, a real organized crime. But I've learned to tell my negative thoughts to shut the fuck up. I've learned to tell my negative thoughts, kiss my round brown ass with that bullshit. Miss me with the bullshit. Um, in that world, I tell you, um, I had to say, you know what? It's not my job to live in fear because I'm innocent. It's their job to live in fear because they're a bunch of guilty ass motherfuckers. Pure evil is supposed to fear me. I'm not supposed to fear pure evil. That's the pure good that I am. And I said to myself, I can say the names of the groups that I was organized crime syndicates I was part of because those those crime groups don't ruin me, don't run me either. And I must say this also on record. be a part of a nice crime world I can honestly say that that world also a world where I had to engage in profanity lace quote unquote friendly conversations when it came to the criminals of that world one of them was my mother's brother sometimes I remember We usually, when we talked, he would have me curse. I was about five. So, quote-unquote, clean language was unacceptable to him and to the other criminals I interacted with. Um, Now, they liked profanity conversations, whether it was, quote-unquote, friendly or, quote-unquote, frenemy or quote-unquote enemy um and I had and it was the hardest struggle when it came to women criminals they were the most into profanity lace friendly conversations with me so I'm five it was the hardest because my grandma told me to monitor my language around women. She basically said, watch my tongue when I came to women. But women grow 
is like this is our way of bonding so that's what happened I remember some of the rapists if I didn't cuss they would physically strike me their bare hands or their belt. I'm talking about the rapist at my mother's apartment. Some summoned by my mother's brother. So with them, I had to cuss every time I talk, every time they talk. That's not why I cuss today. My profanity is of appropriateness because it's of artfulness first. I'm just telling you how that world was like for me. I remember when it came to my own life regarding religion I enjoy being claimed by atheists and agnostics as a part of the part of the family tree because They don't try too hard to be cool, they just are. I can't say the same thing for the many who say they're Christians. But the atheist agnostics never try to change me. But the Christians were always trying to change me. Atheists and Gnostics complimented my autism. The body of Christ never did that. Atheists and Gnostics complimented me on my blackness. The believers never did that. This agnostic complimented me on what a wonderful child I was. The believers really didn't do a lot of that. Atheists and agnostics were the first people to recognize the beauty of autism and sexuality. church I was considered a disabled prude virgin some knew what I was labeled but they never truly talked to me about it atheists and agnostics are into the progression of science medicines, technology. And 
prolonging human lives while religion lags behind when it comes to all those things. I remember there were some Christians who were trying to quote-unquote cure me of my autism. For example, the magic potion, magic lotion, they tried to rub on me, on my forehead, tried to anoint me with it. And they were about to put their hand over me to pray away my autism. They thought I was a demon possessed, needed to be cured through exorcisms. And I pushed my hand back and said, can't you see that autism is a blessing of the divine? They had no words to say to me. And I walked away from them. These were black Pentecostals. They were trying to put the magic motion, magic potion on me. I wouldn't allow it to happen. And in church, the black autism experience was never acknowledged. But atheist agnostics gave me encouragement and say that I make the black autism experience the coolest experience to have in life. Atheists and agnostics helped me not to kill myself because they were always telling me my marvelousness and my magnificence. And the body of Christ never gave me those type of praiseworthy accolades. I was able to understand that that I was an excellent company. I love the atheist agnostics have free spirits. They're free thought. They live freely. Unashamed within their freedom. And I had to learn. that instead of having false options, I have all of the healthy options. That's what I told myself. What that means is that I don't live a life where it's damned if you do 
and damn if you don't. Fucked if you do, fucked if you don't, and shit it on if you do, and shit it on if you don't. That's what I had to teach myself. So, I say all that to say um, that even when it comes to sex, I have learned that undressing and how you undress is important. Foreplay and how you foreplay is important. Easing your way in and working your way up are important. And I learned that I've learned to have a compassionate sexual heart, a compassionate sexual mind, a compassionate sexual spirit slash soul and I learned to be I've learned to have a compassionate uh, sexual memories and compassionate sexual body compassionate sexual touch compassionate sexual taste compassionate sexual sight compassionate sexual hearing and compassionate sexual smell and compassionate sexual sixth sense also known as instincts and intuition I wanted to say that. Now, this is the best way for me to end this episode, y'all. I have figured it out for myself. Um, in conclusion, I decided to do wholesome mainstream pornography. Yes, I decided to, to do wholesome mainstream pornography refers to wholesome pornography wholesomely produced and wholesomely distributed by large wholesome porn production companies. I decided to do wholesome mainstream pornography which includes wholesome sexual situations that the majority of people who view porn want to watch and feel the need to watch and um, wholesome mainstream pornography that I'll be doing will appear to a will appeal to a more broad audience um, basically um, my wholesome mainstream pornography will have Wholesome specific fetishes is targeted for my audiences. Notice I have more than one. So, my, my wholesome mainstream pornography would be no different than independent pornography. You know, it'll have, genre, it'll have wholesome genres, wholesome sexual interests. Now, my audiences is, are wholesome because my fetishes are wholesome. Um, and the material in my wholesome mainstream pornography will have wholesome sexual practices that are admitted to by others, practice more than others, practice less than others, and it'll be based upon the demand for wholesome sex on camera to an international 
consumer base. So I decided to be a wholesome mainstream pornography global icon. Performing and I dare say even directing and being a wholesome mainstream pornographer my my, my damn self. And I want to give the full story of where the adultery came from. The adultery came from organized crime where men had to tolerate affairs more than the women did because the women cheated on the men more than the men cheated on the women. There were adultery contests and usually the women would win. Now you understand why my college years were sexually hectic and sexually out of control. Not to be hard on myself, but I have to tell myself that hard truth for y'all to listen to. So getting back to religion. I actually want to close with religion, so... Atheists and agnostics had all the character traits that all the Christians are supposed to have. Like fruits of the spirit. So the atheists and agnostics expressed love. Those who called themselves Christians expressed hate. Atheists and agnostics live, lived um, joyful lives. The believers lived depressing lives. The atheists and agnostics lived peaceful lives, and the believers lived chaotic lives. The atheists and agnostics were kind, and the believers were rude. Atheists and agnostics were patient while the believers were impatient. Um, the atheists and agnostics were um, of goodness and the believers were of badness. Um, the atheists and agnostics were of gentleness and the believers were of roughness. The atheists and agnostics were of self-control and the believers were fully animalistic, not fully human at all. Atheists and agnostics were of faithfulness and the believers were of disloyalty.
they just Gnostics were charitable, modest, philanthropic, sexually responsible. The believers were sexually irresponsible, possessed haughty spirits. Uppity. And they were all about being transactional. That's why I'm I'm glad they this agnostic claim me. As an atheist, atheist see me as atheist, I'm cool with it. Nazi was also cool with it because we tend to um, think the same in terms of problems with religion. And um, I, um, how I explain this to Christians, I go, I've read the Bible. And there's nothing Christ-like about God. In terms of what the Bible writer said, especially Old Testament. I I I have to say. That when I read the Bible, the Bible writers say that there's an adult abuse God, a child abuse God, an animal abuse God, a bullying God, an antisocial behavior God, a alcohol use disorder, God, adolescent abuse, God, an academic abuse, God, an abusive supervision, God, abusive trust, God, abusive statistics, God, abusive rank, God, abusive process, God, abusive power, God, abusive information, God, abusive indulgences, God, abusive dominance, God, abusive description, God, abusive corpse, God, abusive authority, uh, God, um, a bullying God, a character assassination God, like I said, a child abuse God, a child sexual abuse God, a civil rights abuse God, a clandestine abuse God, a clerical abuse God, a cyber abuse or cyber bullying God, a dating abuse or dating violence God, a defamation God, disability abuse God, a discriminatory abuse God. Those are all bullshit imageries of God. The Bible depicts a domestic abuse or domestic violence God, an economic abuse God, an elder abuse God, emotional abuse God, an employee abuse God, a false accusation God, a flag abuse God, a gaming the system God, a gaslighting God, a gay abuse or gay bashing God, a lesbian abuse or lesbian bashing God, a harassment God, a power harassment God, a sexual harassment God, a hate crimes God, a hazing God, a human rights abuse God, a humiliation God, an incivility God, and institutional abuse God, insulting 
insult God, or intimidation God, or legal abuse God, or market abuse God, or medical abuse God, or military abuse God, or mind abuse, or mind control God. Those are all bullshit imageries of God that I reject. The Bible depicts God as a misconduct God, a mobbing God, a narcissistic abuse God, a neglect God, a a neglectful God, you know, a negligence God, a parental abuse by children God, a passive-aggressive behavior God, a patient abuse God, a peer abuse God, a persecution God, a physical abuse God, a torture God, a police abuse God, a police corruption God, a police misconduct God, a police brutality God, a political abuse God, a prejudice God, a prison abuse, a prisoner abuse God, a professional abuse God, a psychological abuse God, a racial abuse and racism God, a ragging God, a rape God, a relational aggression God, a religious abuse God, a rudeness God, a satanic ritual abuse God, a school bullying God, a sectarian abuse God, a self-abuse God, a sexual abuse God, a sexual bullying God, a sibling abuse God, a smear campaign God, a spiritual abuse God, a stalking God, a Structural abuse, God, a substance abuse disorder, God, a surveillance abuse, God, a taunting, God, a teacher abuse, God, and a teasing, God. Those are all bullshit imageries of God that I reject. The Bible depicts God as a telephone abuse and nuisance called God, a terrorism, God, a transgender abuse, or trans bashing, God, a intersex abuse and bashing God, a hermaphrodite abuse and bashing God, a metrosexual abuse and bashing God, an androgynous abuse and bashing God, a a transvestism abuse and bashing God, an umpire abuse God, a verbal abuse, a verbal attacks God, a whispering campaign God, a workplace abuse, a workplace bullying God. An abusive power and control, God. Those are all the other bullshit images of God that I reject. Now, I wish that the Bible writers... would depict God as accepting, active, adaptable, affectionate, alert, ambitious, amusing, assertive, attentive, brave, broad-minded, careful, charming, cheerful, clever, compassionate, confident, courteous, Creative, curious, diligent, dependable, disciplined, dutiful, easygoing, efficient, energetic, fairness, faithful, flexible, forgiving, friendly, generous, genuine, graceful, hardworking, helpful, honesty, hopeful, humility, humorous, imaginative, impartial, innovative, integrity, intelligent, intimate, independent, jovial, just, kind, logical, loving, loyal, liberal, mature, merciful, Meticulous, modest, motivated, open-mindedness, optimistic, organized, patient, peaceful, playful, pleasant, polite, um, good, powerful, practical, punctual, purposeful, you know, quiet, reasonable, reliable, responsible, you know, righteous, and all the 
human rights movement, ways and rationale, self-confident, sensitive, simple, sincere, skillful, smart, stable, strong, tactful, supportive, talented, tidy, trustworthy, truthful, understanding, unselfish, valiant, virtuous in the human rights movement, ways and vital, warm and wise. Those are the images of God they should have depicted instead of the other one. So, I'm into human rights for all imageries of God. Therefore, I am against all human rights violations imageries of God. So... I'm thankful that atheists agnostic claim me and name me and say you're one of us. The body of Christ has never done that to me. The body of Christ has left me holding the bag, but Atheists and agnostics are holding the bag with me. And I've noticed that atheists and agnostics would tell me that my life mattered. They were the first people to tell me my black life mattered. They were the first people to tell me my autism life mattered. Those are their exact words. They are the first person people to tell me that my child, me, matters. They were they would have wholesome conversations with me about religion and church. They would tell me, yes, there are plenty of people who are positive, who do kind things and name their religion. Then they said then they told me all the scandals within church. And I felt unprepared when I first evangelized, not in a typical way, just talking and they said it's not it's never your fault you know it's okay if you didn't know that means that you know we truly know you're not a part of the problem but that's how they treated me and I was mad at church folks because they never told me the truth about the good bad and ugly of church Christianity but atheists and Gnostics are doing it for me so Now I understand why I'm a part of the Black Atheist Club on Clubhouse app, and I understand why I'm a member of the Atheism Club on the Clubhouse app, because with Atheist Agnostics, I can be totally myself. With Believers, not so much. They carbon copy me. They try to make me squeaky clean while Atheist Agnostics say, be whoever the fuck you truly are. And that is fucking okay with us. And amazing agnostics, 
There's nothing performative about them, but there's everything performative about the believers. And with atheists and agnostics, they make the flesh and the spirit one, while believers make the flesh and the spirit mortal enemies. Atheists and agnostics are easy on themselves, but believers are hard on themselves. Atheists and agnostics love truth and believers love unscientific theories. Atheists and agnostics are into sighted knowledge while believers are into blind faith. 